myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Today, I'm really excited to welcome my friend Linda. Linda and I were at medical school, and we're not going to say how long ago that was, but it was a while back. <laughs> we were at medical school, and then in, in well, not, yes, we crossed paths in internship because I was off cycle, but uh, we were in the same residency program, but haven't seen each other since, actually seen each other since Linda left New York for, I think, Virginia, right, Linda? That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what have you been up to for the last, never mind how many years, <laughs> apart from, <laughs> you know, having children and growing your children and moving to Florida? What what other things have you yes, been up yes. to? Well, I left New York to, to practice emergency medicine in Virginia, which was fascinating. But then later moved to Florida and I had two young children at that time and I was a single mother then. So I thought urgent care would, would be easier, an easier route as far as being a mother and uh, a doctor. I wouldn't have the night shifts and all that. So mm -hmm. I, I've been in urgent care for quite a few years <laughs> and then, then yeah. retired a while back. And that's when I started writing. Oh, okay. So you would like to talk to us about your writing. Now, you, you are fully retired from medicine now. Do you Absolutely. still have an You've retired your acts at uh, your license, or are you? No, 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 no. Holding never on. Give that up ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Worked so hard for it. No, no. I did do some telemedicine during the the worst of COVID. I was uh, just. I had a temporary job as a as a COVID uh, telemedicine doctor, which was very rewarding at the time. But as the need lessened, I decided not to stay in that. And when you say rewarding, you mean emotionally and spiritually, not financially. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Please clarify that. <laughs> yes, it was yeah. very good to be able to answer questions and and try to give comfort to those who were absolutely terrified, as terrified as I was at the time, because we didn't know much about COVID in those days. But it it was good to be able to help. Excellent. So why don't we talk about say, you you. You've now decided you're going to leave medicine because you've reached that age. Do you want to talk about how you made that decision? Well, actually, I became ill. I developed a condition called CVID, which is uh, not very well known, but it's basically um, the body's inability to produce gamma globulin. And it caused me to be sick very often with respiratory illnesses. And uh, I found I was sicker than my patients many times. So... It, it was just a wise decision to stop early. Mm -hmm. Did you consider doing any non-medical, medically adjacent work? Or did you just say, okay, I'm just closing that shop down completely? I closed the shop down because most of the medically adjacent uh, situations were still within the hospital system. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just difficult to be there and not being able to practice medicine. Right, right. And you needed yeah. to decrease your exposure to people. Yes, exactly. All the wonderful bugs that are out there. Okay. Yeah. So right. in the beginning, I was a bit isolated, but things have changed in treatment and I feel more secure. Good. Excellent. So do you, did you say, okay, now what am I going to do? Did you take some time off to think about it? Or was it natural morph to become an author? Had you I think... Well, I had the time off to think about it. <laughs> I didn't have to take it time <laughs> off because I had it. And it was like, oh my goodness. Um, I think it just morphed into 
what it is today because I've always wanted to write and I've always scribbled down some things here and there or written a poem or written a short story. So the short stories just became longer <laughs> and more involved. And uh, when I actually decided to write a book, I discovered you're not really that good at, <laughs> that good at this. You should take some classes. So uh, I did that. The learning curve was pretty steep, actually. So I spent a lot of years just learning how to put a novel together and yes, how to write. Yeah, not not that you didn't know how to write, but to write for publication is a, and and writing non scientific stuff is is correct because <laughs> you write correct. novels. You don't you don't do I write fiction novels, pure right. fiction. Well, well historical, historical fiction novels. So they're not entirely fiction, but. Yeah. The characters are mainly fictitious. Yes, and and your first one that uh, I know of as a novel, I know you did some plays as well, but the first one surprised me because I always thought you'd go down the Tudor route because you're, you're such a buff on Tudor history. But um, you also set your first book in one of my favorite places on earth, St. Augustine's. So, <laughs> would you like to explain to us how you developed that story? Well, I, both my books um, came about because of things that caught my attention that I just thought were outrageous. And uh, with The Angel of the Penny Rose, one of the things was that um, when each of my children were small, they, they were on school trips to St. Augustine and I accompanied them. And each time we were told that if women became widowed in St. Augustine during the 1760s and that era. If they didn't remarry within 60 days or so, they would be sent back to England on the next ship. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought that was pretty terrible that they would have to remarry so quickly. And I thought that was a terrible way to treat widows. So that was the origin of The Angel of the Penny Rose, even though that's a very, very small part of the book. But um, I created a situation where the uh, trip or the voyage across the ocean was so hazardous that no one in their right mind would want to go back. Uh -huh. So the poor woman unwittingly marries her husband's murderer. And when he comes to an untimely death, she's accused of murdering both husbands. And that's just the beginning of the book. So it's it's quite it has a lot of twists and turns and unexpected happenings hmm. i know i've read it <laughs> <laughs> and it, is it for sale um across all platforms or or is it just on amazon or it's some, amazon somewhere? and ingram and kobo and and barnesandnoble.com oh barnes and noble good so pretty yeah. wide distribution yeah. excellent yeah and would you like to explain how you decided to jump from the 1700s to the 19, the middle of the 1900s into Second World War? How did well, you make that, that jump? <laughs> that was just being a bit fickle, I guess. But then again, the stories that were nagging me was um, were the stories my mother-in-law at the time um, told me about her experiences in the war. Mm -hmm. And um, they just stayed with me for all those decades. And as time goes by and, you know, you tell your children these family stories and you realize that sooner or later the stories are going to be gone. So even though they're not precisely what she told me, um, 
I felt good enough that I had given the stories a chance to live on a bit. Mm -hmm. And then also I had heard about the blood road in Norway. And I thought that was outrageous how the cruelty that was bestowed on these um, poor Yugoslav prisoners that, that, that were there. They were taken from Yugoslavia and taken to the north of Norway and basically told, welcome to Norway. This is where you die. Mm -hmm. And it was a horrible situation for them. So I also wanted that to, I also wanted to weave that into a war story to uh, bring light to that because actually a lot of Norwegians have barely heard of the blood road and they're quite surprised when I talk to Norwegians about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's how that happened. Yeah. How long did it take you to write that? The first book took a very long time because like I said, it was I quite a bit of a learning curve. It was up to 400 pages at one point and one editor suggested I should try to write a trilogy, which I tried. But then I became so worried that if you read the first one, maybe you wouldn't read the second one. So then you wouldn't know how that ended. And then you wouldn't read the third one. So I, <laughs> you know, you have, to, if you start this book, you have to know the whole story. So I <laughs> brought it back into, to, um, into one book because I really love the ending. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. And we won't tell people what the ending is. They have to get the book. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. I love the ending. So what is your next project? Um, I'm, well, of course, Tudor is always in the back of my mind, but I, I think I'm a little intimidated by the Tudor era because I have such incredible respect for <laughs> this particular character that I would like to write about. It's like, I have to get it right. I have to get it right. Mm -hmm. Plus, I know so many Tudor authors that mm -hmm. are actual historians. So <laughs> it, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah, Hilary Mantel's a hard Hilary Mantel's hard to follow, um, <laughs> but um, what? Who is that character? Are you willing to share that? Elizabeth Boleyn. Okay. Elizabeth Boleyn. She's Anne Boleyn's mother, and I just thought, you know, she had front row seats to world-changing events that affected her personally, mm -hmm. in her daily life, in her family, and I thought what that woman must have felt, what she must have seen, what she must have endured. And she's a silent person. You know, we just, we know she was there. You know, I can pretty much trace where she was at uh, many times during her life. So I can say she was there. I can tell people what she saw. But, you know, there's there's no recording of what she really felt about things. And as a mother and as someone who is, who has been entrenched in this study of history for such a long time. It's like, I can almost feel what she, you know, what she must have been thinking, you know, not to the degree that she did, of course, but it's, I have enormous sympathy and empathy for her. Mm -hmm. And when I was at Hever Castle, where she was, um, where she lived for a um, long period of time, it was just like, I have to tell your story. I just have to. So someday I will. Okay. All right. So you're not actively working on that character at the moment. I have or a you're pile not... of notes that are a mile high, but I wouldn't call it actively working. Okay. It's just percolating. All right. Yeah. Okay. So do you do any little writing things to sort of keep your, keep the juice flowing or do you just wait until inspiration hits? Well, I have a blog that, um, hasn't gotten much attention since COVID, but I will go back to it. 
It's called the paperbackwriter.org where I review books that mm -hmm. I like to read and they don't have to be the newest or the latest. They just have to be something I came across, something a friend told me they read once and I go back and read it and say, oh my goodness, this is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back and take another look at that and revive that. Mm -hmm. And then I have a new uh, website coming up with my name where there's also um, a blog attached. So I'll do some more blogging. Mm -hmm. I have thought a little bit about a nonfiction book. So I'll probably write that with a friend who is a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So um, It's probably going to be about being single because so many people um, at our age are single particularly women mm -hmm. and it would just be I think it would be interesting to to explore that a little bit it's not a guide on how to be single or how to become single anything like that <laughs> but it's just an exploration of why are so many women single and uh why and, and is that their preference uh, yes it seems <clears throat> to be a preference for very many and and people find that surprising because you always hear well why don't you remarry why don't you Blah, 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 you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> okay, but no judgment. You can do whichever you, whichever is good for you is fine with Linda, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about the, the change from being a physician to being an author. Can you, was it sort of a night and day thing? Did you gradually decrease the number of hours you were doing and realize that you, you just didn't want to to have this excess burden of of working or did you did your doctor say to you you know you really need to stay away from sick people you've chosen the wrong career yeah um, no i it it all started with with a horrible case of pneumonia mm -hmm. and discovering the immune compromise and getting that under control and then the doctor saying you really you really should stop working mm -hmm. so that's how it happened and it but happened it, it wasn't oh, so much working that was the issue. It was the fact that you were working with sick people because that's what doctors exactly. do. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So I give, I give a little plug. I hope you had own occupation disability insurance. Did you? Most doctors do. And I, I did. know. <laughs> I just, I just have put a plug there because every time I see in the other groups, should I give up my insurance? No, no never. No. <laughs> I never thought I would use it, but thank God I that's had it. That's right. It's yeah. insurance. Yes. It's not a yeah. savings account. Yeah. 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 That's good. So it gave you some, some time to think about what you wanted to do yeah. with this. Yes. And I started writing because in, in those early days, I really didn't feel well and I really didn't feel up to taking on a new, a new position. So I would sit home and write a little bit and take classes and do that. And rest maybe. Whether the rest <laughs> would be good. In between, yes, yes. Have you done much traveling? Do you do, is that the way you get your material? Do you go visit these places that you've set, made settings? Um, no, <laughs> you can Google pretty much anything you want these days. Um, but I do travel, but I'm not a world traveler, traveler like some of my friends are who want to explore every corner of the world. Mm -hmm. I keep wanting to go back to England and just go through castles and study Tudor history. And then, of course, I'm Scandinavian, so I have to go back to Scandinavia. And then, you know, I have to visit friends and family around the country. But otherwise, I don't really travel to explore that much. I have more of a purpose. Okay. I like okay. to go to Iceland, too. 
Oh, have you been there much? Much? Not much, but I have family there, so I always enjoy going there. It's okay. very different. I would recommend it. Yes, and it's got pretty good uh, record for female empowerment too. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, oh. absolutely. Okay. So where do you see things going for you from now on? Are you, you're just going to, you're not expecting to bring out a book a year. It's, and why not? Well, I know <laughs> I'm saying, are you, is that your goal? Is it, is it your goal to really be a prolific writer or you just want to work on something until you think, okay, yes, this story is now told. Let me put it out into the world and work on the next one. Well, the thing is, once the story starts to percolate in my head, and I get the story down. Uh, I th I think I could write a book a year, but the challenge with writing and being an unknown writer is that there's so much more to it as far as as uh, bringing the the book out into the community or you know getting the book sold. Because when you're working with a small press, there's not a lot of um, help from from the publishing company to promote your book. So a lot of that is put on you. And as physicians, we know nothing about self-promotion because we're people come to us no matter what, we never really have exactly. to promote ourselves. And here I have to toot my own horn. I have to do outreach. I have to do all these different things that I have never done before. And, and uh, oh my goodness, that's a challenge. So my next mm -hmm. challenge is to master that and learn that. And you have to become this uh, public persona that I never thought I would even try to be, but you have to be that in order to, for people to see your books. Mm -hmm. Do you do? By the way, I saw your book. I just got your book. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was my experiment. And, and thankfully eight other doctors joined me to, to the give me the comfort and numbers. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it was, that was really good because what I, my purpose was not the learning to write, although I certainly need lots of tips on that too, but it was the mechanics of going through publishing yeah. and, uh, it was a very steep learning curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 No, there's so many options to publishing now, you know, uh, everybody wishes they could be with the big five publishing houses. And I certainly still wish that, but there are a lot of small publishing companies that, um, you know, still take care of most of it for you, but there's still an enormous amount of things to learn about it and that you mm -hmm. have to partake in. Do you do things like book signings? Do you do the rounds of Barnes and Nobles? <laughs> if they'll have me, yes, yeah. yes. But we just had a hurricane, so um, um, not right now. No, okay. They're still repairing their houses if they still have houses. So that was very tragic. Where I'm sorry, but where in Florida are you? Fort Myers. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. A, a friend just north of you was saying recently how, how she felt about, because she was praying that it wouldn't hit her. And then she realized what it meant for the people south of her. It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It hit Fort Myers pretty badly. Yeah. But you, not you. You you were not me. Okay. I was fortunate. Yes. Yeah. Good. We greet each other with, how did you do instead yes. of, hello, yeah. no. <laughs> how did you do? Yeah. And so, you didn't lose power? Lost power and water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life in Florida. Yeah. Or in Santa Domingo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Linda, 
when you decided that you had enough rest and you were away from sick people for a while and so you started looking at how to how to write what what was the first thing and what would you recommend the first thing if somebody's thinking about wanting to write well, and, get, first... and get published because we can all write but <laughs> have how the people read it is different <laughs> anybody can write you just have to have the patience to write the whole thing if you're going to write a book but what I did initially was I took classes in um how to write a novel mm -hmm. and that was more about structure than than actual writing so that was fine so I took those classes but it never it didn't turn into a novel instantly so then I thought, let me try something else as well to, to broaden my, my um, experience here. So I took a screenwriting class with a filmmaker, which was absolutely fascinating. And I loved the process and I loved the format. And I finished a screenplay called Kingsley, which was actually about <laughs> a little sci-fi here, um, Henry VIII being reincarnated as a rock star and one of his wives, Catherine Howard, also reincarnating as a rock star and they have to find their way back to repair some of the damage of the past. But nobody bought that because I don't know who to send it to and I don't, you know, nobody um, wants to read something that, you know, first screenplay <laughs> sent by some unknown doctor in Florida. So that never got anywhere. So I, I became frustrated with that because it's very difficult to break through. That's, mm -hmm. there's so much talent in the world that is never discovered because it's hard to get through. And, and networking is still... It, it's who you know, not what you know, always. Yes, I Still. would love to know those people. I just don't know. <laughs> we can be friends, sure. But then, I, but it was great for writing dialogue and creating scenes. But then I started something that was much more difficult. I thought it would be easy. And it was actually a lot of fun because some of the things you write could actually be staged and you could see it. You could see people perform. Mm-hmm your your plays and that was that was really fascinating so i took classes in um, playwriting and it's very very difficult because you only have one stage it's not like writing a screenplay where you can be on a street then you can be in a building and then you can be mm -hmm. on an airplane you have to be exactly on that stage and you have to you have to um consider the time it takes for an actor to walk off and come back and for for set changes and things like that. So that was very challenging. And I did that for a little while. I also took some acting classes during that time. So that was fun, Good. but didn't go no, anywhere. You don't, you're not planning an acting career as well? Okay. But you never know. Maybe someday I would try if they... <laughs> You know, you have to keep an open mind. You have to keep an open mind to things and not just sit on the sofa with a remote after you retire. Mm -hmm. So you have to be open to possibilities. And I prefer the creative ones. But then after a while, I became a bit frustrated with the playwriting because of the limitations of the stage. And also, <laughs> I found that I would write something and I saw exactly the way I wanted it to, to play out. But then it goes into the hands of a director who sees it a different way. And then maybe the characters 
or the people cast to portray a character aren't exactly the ones you thought you wanted. And then the play is something entirely different. And you say, oh my God, what happened to my story? You know, mm -hmm. so that was difficult to watch, but it's okay. It happens to everyone and it's part of the creative process. And, you know, you're not an island. And when you have a, a work of, um, you know, a play, it becomes everyone's play. Right. Just like a movie. And of course, the same thing could happen if your, one of your books takes off and they decide to make a movie. The screenplay may be very, very different. Oh, yes. It's... But I would love that. That's the ultimate dream. I would like to see these two <laughs> books as movies. So if anybody is listening, she knows how to reach me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> your information will be on the podcast show notes, my dear. <laughs> okay, okay. So, very good. That's the ultimate dream. I would love that. Okay. Especially so... if I could help. <laughs> So you you decided that the, the novel format then was, yes, was where you yes. maintained control and, and it was, yes. you, could, you could turn the page and be somewhere completely different. You didn't have to worry about how long it took to walk there. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it didn't have to be within, you know, three walls of the stage and I could jump around as much as I wanted and take as much um, time to describe a situation as I wanted, because when it comes to screenwriting and playwriting, you know, there's very little description, it's more dialogue, but it did help very much in um, learning how to write dialogue mm -hmm. better than just um, eavesdropping on people in the park, you know? No. Oh, how do well, people well. really speak? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you, you're, you're writing historic, so you have to you have oh, yes, to go back in time too. as well. That too. You have to pick up some of, some of that. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's lovely. Good. So where what are you going to do in 2023 that you'd like our listeners to hear about? Or do you have any advice for, for people that other than just start writing? Just start writing and don't give up because it's so easy to give up and you know, that could kill a really beautiful story if you would just keep at it. And it is frustrating, but there are writers groups that are very, very nice to be part of where, you know, you could read your work and um, have it critiqued. You have to have thick skin, but, you know, you develop that after a while. But it's, it's a good way of learning how to write and having support from other writers that are going through the same thing. And you find inspiration in these groups. So I would just recommend that take as many classes as possible and just keep at it and try to get an agent and um, yes, just don't give up. Do you, in any of your working, your, your writers groups, do you work together? I don't mean on the same project, but do you, do you sort of sit around a big table at Barnes and Noble and scribble away? I've seen several people doing this as well, if you were ever part of that. And do you find energy from just being with other people who write? No, a lot of people do that. And they say, why don't you go to a coffee shop? It sounds, you know, it sounds so romantic to sit there with your computer in a coffee shop, like, uh, you know, the, the um, JK Rawlings mm -hmm. you know, thinks that she wrote the whole, the whole series in a coffee shop, but that's not the, the, <laughs> that's not, the, that's not the fact. I just can't do that. There are too many distractions mm -hmm. because I, I just need quiet. Um, I actually started putting on classical music when I write. And the moment I put the classical music on, I focus and my dogs go away because it's like, oh, she's writing now. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Must be fine yes. with animals. The animals come to visit them and walk across the type, across the computer <laughs> screen. <laughs> yeah. 
No, they're in, they're in another room right now. But it's funny when they hear the music, they just go to another room and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Are both of your daughters, uh, they're not in Florida anymore? No. Okay. Now, one I know is in California. Where's the other one? They're both there. Oh, they're both in California. Okay. They're both there. They're both there. Yes. Okay. Do you go visit much? As often as I can. And they come home when they can. Yeah, of course. You know, Are there any... busy. Mm -hmm. Are there any stories from Californian history that intrigue you? Californian history? Uh, not particularly. Europe pulls to you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now I'm a little obsessed after seeing the Elvis movie. I just listened to a book by Jerry Schilling, who was describing several houses that Elvis owned in, in the Beverly Hills, Bel Air area. And I think I actually saw them on, on a tour. In the early days when my girls were in LA, I always did the, you know, houses of the, the star. star. Yeah. Yeah. No, and nothing to write. There's nothing I want to write a story about, but that's the only thing that came to mind is that Elvis actually lived in in Los Angeles too. Well, thank you very much, Linda. It was very kind of you to meet with me again. Thank that's you so much. It was fun to see you. Stay in touch. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us at Myth Magic Medicine. If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.